Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Don't you just love babies and kids? Man, I love it. Um, and uh, I just love being a part of real life. I uh, am excited that we, this is home for us, and it's good to see the seats filled today. It's also exciting that we get to have our youth pastor with us. She's in the house, Taylor. Uh, is traveling this summer with Trevecca National University as part of their ministry teams, and they are just kind of like an in-between moment, and she gets to be with us today. So if you haven't had a chance to just love on her a little bit, make sure you do that. Tell her welcome and thank you and all that good stuff. Um, You know, one of the things I like about living in Murfreesboro uh, is that Middle Tennessee is truly what I consider the crossroads of America. Um, people are, seem to always be traveling through this area. And we have had the opportunity of just connecting with people who we haven't seen in years. We got to be on the phone yesterday with some friends who are making their way down here this summer. And we're like, stop by. And they are. And we've got our friends, uh, Alex and Allie. We met them back uh, years ago. Uh, and they've just kind of hung on as uh, friends do. And so it's great to have them with us. Um, in the midst of life. And today we get to have, this is kind of crazy. I was just thinking about this. A good old friend, um, Don Johnson, not the one you think, but uh, a different one. Uh, He was our videographer at our wedding a few years ago. (laughs) So I was just thinking about uh, him today. I didn't know he was coming. And just thinking about that video that you put together for us. And Oh my gosh, we look like babies. Uh, you probably thought something wrong was going on as you videotaped that. But uh, it is so good to have you here, Don and family. Uh, it is just good to see all of you here, right? Uh, it is just good. Uh, we are encouraged when we get to be together. So as we begin this morning, the story or the question that I want you guys to talk about, think about it for just a brief moment, and to talk about with each other sitting next to you is what things serve as barriers for you in loving others as Jesus would love them? I know that's like putting it right out there. We're not easing into this at all, but I, I just want you to think for a moment, and this is real life, right? So let's all just own the barriers that we throw up, the barriers we have, the things that just stand in the way, uh, our prejudices, our, our, our junk, all that kind of stuff. Let's just own that for a moment and share with the people next to you, what are those barriers that stand in the way of you loving others the way Jesus would? Ready, set, go. All right. Hey, just give me a shout out. What are some of the things that you guys heard out there, the barriers that we've got? Lack of trust. Introverted. Introverted. Hurt, fear, fear. COVID. what is it? COVID. COVID. <laughs> That's like so relevant, right? What else? Personality. Personality. Politics. 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 How about 
Mood swings? Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, sometimes exhaustion. Like, we're just too tired to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah, there's all these different barriers that come into play when it, when, it, when it comes to us being Jesus in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, uh, when we're out eating, when we're da- driving down the road. Um, there's just plenty of things that get in the way of what Jesus is wanting to do through us that we might be co um, I don't want you to take this too far, but co-saviors of the world? And, and not that we have any means to do that, but we get to partner with God in what God is doing to save the world. So let's just remember who we are and who we aren't, but let's also remember who God is, who, what God wants to do and what God wants to do through us. He wants us to be a part of this. This morning, we, we journey into a passage in Luke's gospel, the 19th chapter. And it's the story of the wee little man, uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, how would you like to be forever known as the wee little man? You know, for all of history, that has been him. And uh, I don't know about you, but that is not a title that I necessarily would want to care read around with me. Um, but that is his lot in eternity. But I want to read for you the passage in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read out of the New Revised Standard Version today. It it may be different than what you have in front of you. He entered, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was... And this is maybe a little more gentle in the New Revised Standard. He was short in stature, a.k.a. he was wee. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save what was lost. You want to sing it? Yeah, who was singing in your head as I was reading the passage? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, for I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. For all those who were not raised in the church, you now are questioning why you are here. (laughs) So this is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Jericho really serves as the doorstep 
the front porch to Jerusalem. Our story today takes place right smack dab in the middle of Jericho. This isn't just another story along the timeline of Jesus. This is a pivotal point in the narrative of Jesus. In Luke, Jesus has been making a slow but methodical and purposeful journey towards Jerusalem. And in the passage, in the whole gospel of Luke, something happens here in, Jer- in Jericho, which seems to change the tide of the entire narrative. If, um, if Jericho is that turning point, everything before that uh, might be titled travels or journeying or moving. Everything after Jericho might be titled passion. And so we find Jesus in the midst of this pivotal point in the gospel narrative where Jesus flips the page and turns to a new chapter in the journey. Um, and, And this hinge point, this fulcrum point at which everything seems to balance and turn um, becomes anchored to this reality. It's, it's really the, the core, the basis of everything that Jesus wants us to understand. If you know nothing else, know this. A life of repentance leads to salvation. A life of repentance leads to salvation. It's, it's not about just a, a, a one-time statement on our part uh, it's not a one-time request. It's not that one-time moment when we say, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Which Jesus says, yes, but it's more than that. That's the beginning of a journey in which the life of repentance leads to salvation. Uh, but we're ahead of ourselves and I wanna step back for just a moment. Let's back up to Jesus approaching Jericho that day. Close your eyes with me. Everyone close your eyes for just a moment. And let's see if we can't join Jesus on the road. I want you to feel the dusty road under your feet. I want you to survey the landscape around you. I want, to find, I want you to find yourself following in the footsteps of Jesus. Imagine that you are following so close that the dust churned up by every step of Jesus's feet is coming to land and rest on your feet with the Jordan River at your back, we look ahead to see the city of Jericho, the city that is now the home of Zacchaeus. Jesus, in some ways, seems to look reflective. It's almost as if he is seeing all of history converge in this one moment. This Jericho was once the barrier that stood in the way of God's people the Israelites, entering into the promised land. There was a day when as you look around you, the land would have been filled with tents as the people of God camped in this area, as God spoke to the leaders about this city. The people were to march around it once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they would walk around it six times and on the seventh time they would shoot they would they would shout and they would holler and they would make a ruckus and it was on that seventh day that the barrier walls would fall and Jericho 
was no longer standing in the way of God's people encountering the fullness of God. Back to Jesus. It, it seems as though he, his gaze looks off in the distance, off in the distance, about 15 miles beyond, almost a dot on the horizon stands Jerusalem. What once was a barrier for God's people is now this doorstep, the front porch to Jerusalem. Why is there such a reflective look on Jesus' face? It's almost as if he knows something we don't. And as we enter the city that day, the streets are bustling. And as word spreads that Jesus is here, the whole city buzzes with the chatter of people. If we were to hover above the city, we would notice the current of people from all corners of the city moving in the direction of Jesus. Everyone wanted to see him. If you've ever been in a crowded mass of people, you know the anxiety of wondering if you'd survive the hustle and the bustle. And this is where we find a man short of stature among those desperate to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Did he want more than that? It's hard to tell from the text. We know what happened once Jesus encountered Zacchaeus. Everything changed, but we aren't sure if encountering Jesus was what drove Zacchaeus up the tree that day. And there are li and there lies one of the most basic questions for all of humanity, for you and for me. Is it our desire in the midst of our self-preservation and self-promotion is it our desire to encounter Jesus? For you and I, it's easy to rack up barriers between us and the divine, as well as us in the ordinary. Open your eyes. You can look back up if you haven't fallen asleep already. I like to try and put myself in the midst of scripture to kind of get a feel for what's going on. And I hope that maybe you were able to do the same thing. Now, if we were all to be really honest about our images, the things that we just saw, we probably would have a lot of different variations of this story. For we have different perspectives. We come from different places. Our, our, our narratives are different. And so we would see things differently. But at the heart of all of our narratives would be Jesus. Jesus being Jesus. There, there are things that we have to deal with in our life, barriers that stand in the way. And here are some of them. We're too busy. It sounds like we'll get to Jesus when our schedule uh, has, is less busy. How about tradition? <laughs> that's, just not, that's just not the way we do things, right? Fear. What will happen if Jesus gets a hold of me? All of me. Hesitancy. I just don't know. I don't know if I buy it. Pain. I'm not sure I buy a Jesus who lets such pain exist. Or how could, how could Jesus allow that to happen to me? Or unforgiveness. <laughs> uh, that, that looks like two different things. How could Jesus ever forgive me? But sometimes I don't want to forgive that person. That person that I just feel like Jesus is pushing me towards. But for Jesus, barriers have never been a problem. They have never stood in the way 
of, of, of him being able to do all that he wanted to do. Here's a few examples. In the beginning, all of creation was created out of nothing. Think about the times that you tried to create something out of nothing. It rarely goes well. At the Red Sea, a highway opened through the water. In the darkness of Lazarus's tomb, that which was dead came to life. In a valley full of dry bones, an army emerged when the broken pieces came together. When thousands were hungry on a hillside, all Jesus needed was a few little fish and a little bit of bread, and he fed thousands. When the nets remained empty after a long night of toiling, by trained fishermen, one instruction from Jesus the next morning, and the nets were full. And when a city called Jericho stood as the final barrier to God's people from entering the promised land, a week-long parade ended in walls crumbling. And on the day in which we find ourselves in Zacchaeus's story, nearly 14,000 years after those barriers fell, those barrier walls fell, when the man was too short, the crowds were too thick, and the sin was too great, Jesus called Zacchaeus by name, and every religious and cultural barrier fell when Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus's life. The passage of scripture really does suggest that Zacchaeus went up the tree not to encounter Jesus, but simply to see Jesus. And, and as I was reading over my notes again this morning, this is the question that I want to pose to all of us. It's this, is it your desire in the midst of all your attempts at self-preservation and promotion is it your desire to encounter Jesus or are you content to observe from the nosebleed section? Church, where we see barriers, Jesus sees possibilities. We get hung up on all the reasons why things won't work or why things can't happen or why I, or why I shouldn't have to. Where Jesus sees all the reasons why something can happen and should happen. Throughout Luke's gospel, tax collectors were the ultimate outcasts. Strike one for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, a.k.a. he was the chief of the ultimate outcasts. Strike two. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, shall we say, small of stature, a.k.a. he was small of possibilities. Strike three for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was rich. In Luke's gospel, more than any of the other gospels, the rich are condemned over and over. Strike four for Zacchaeus. But that's what we focus on over and over and over again. We focus on all of the X's in someone's life. But in Luke's gospel, Jesus sees 
things differently. In Luke, Jesus is consistently friendly towards sinners. In Luke, Jesus is the caring shepherd who's seeking those on the outside. In Luke, Jesus welcomes the honest thoughts of sinners. And in Luke, Jesus eats with sinners and the righteous alike at tables over and over again. But what Jesus does isn't limited just to Luke's gospel. These things are true for us today. Not just for you and I as recipients, but these are to be true of us as the people of God who are living in a world where people are marked with X's all over the place. And they are in need of a people like you and I who can see their possibilities and introduce them to the God who can make great things out of nothing and call the dead back to life. At this pivotal point in Luke's account of Jesus' life and ministry that leads to Jesus on a cross, Zacchaeus sees Jesus because Jesus reveals himself to Zacchaeus. No barrier was going to keep them apart. And as Jesus broke through barrier after barrier, a life was changed and that affected a community. I love in the passage that says this house. Now this messes with our whole idea of, of salvation. And I think it strengthens us because the power of one salvation has the potential to change an entire family. What does it look like for you to pursue Christ? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Um, Have you surrendered your all to Jesus? In your heart of hearts, is there an undeniable, unequivocal, unhindered yes to Jesus? If your answer to this is yes, then we may see the people around us the way Jesus does. The way we live our life should sound like and act like and be just like the way Jesus encountered Zacchaeus that day. The world wants us to focus on the things that separate us. I'm this, you're that. And it seems as though that is getting further and further apart to where we can no longer even talk to people. I'm gonna unfriend you because you don't agree with me. Folks, that is not the way of the kingdom. Jesus is not this one who says, you disagree, I don't want anything to do with you. Jesus says, you disagree with me, I'm gonna love you more. What would happen in our world if our differences were the foundation on which our love existed as opposed to the foundation on which hate thrives? I don't know. Are we friendly to sinners as Jesus was? Um, Here's... This is the truth of the matter right here. Jesus was friendly to sinners, not because he saw them as sinners, but because he saw them as people. And I would encourage you, let's not go out looking for sinners to get saved. Let's just go find people and live life with them and see what Jesus might want to do with them. Are you seeking those who aren't yet in your sphere of existence? 
I, I love this passage. You know Jesus was distracted. You know he had things on his mind. You know people all around him had the, he, there, I'm sure there was like a elbow match going on in that city that day. But even in the busyness of Jericho, somehow Jesus noticed a little guy up in a tree and thought, huh, isn't that interesting? You've got hundreds, if not thousands of people within reach of Jesus, and he notices the little guy in a tree. I wonder what it would look like for us to be so tuned into the people around us that we notice the random guy in a tree or the random woman sitting on a park bench, definitely appearing as though she needs someone. Can we be that people who have our eyes up and our senses, our radar is just going because we want to see the people the way Jesus sees them? Are we welcoming the off the wall questions and thoughts of those curious about the ways of Jesus? Can I just give you permission today as a church to do something? I wanna give you permission not to know all the answers. It's okay. It's okay not to even know how you're going to articulate something. Be okay with that. I think one of the best answers that you can give someone who asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, I think that one of the best ways you can respond is, you know what, that's a great question. I don't know. Let me think and pray on that. I have become that person who welcomes questions. And the more off the wall the question, the more I like it. Because it presses me to evaluate what I believe and what I think. Um, I, I do also want to ask you one question. Please, 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 please do not answer questions this way. Well, because my pastor said so. Don't lead with that. Or don't lead with this one either. Well, that's what my church says I'm supposed to do. I hope and pray that that may have been a starting point for you, but that you have gotten deeper and have thought through why you believe what you believe. I had a conversation with someone one time and they just asked, they said, hey, I, I wanna talk about this. And most people would have been shocked. Like, oh, I can't believe you're asking me that. But I'm like, okay, let's talk. And as they talk, as we talk, as we share life together, what I find is this, God shows up in the midst of the conversation. And where you think you're not able, God is. Be okay with off the wall questions. And also, please, 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 please do not do this. If someone says something in a way that is offensive to you about God or faith or whatever, don't react as though you are highly offended. Consider for a moment that maybe that's all they've got. That's the only way they know how to ask the question. I was talking to a dear friend who shared the story when they were a child and uh, they were asking a question of, uh, of a, a Sunday school teacher and that teacher did not like the way they were asking the question and referred to the person as a blasphemer, get out of my class. Folks, I don't make bold statements very often, but if that's the way you choose to respond, I don't know if you have a place here in real life. 
We need to be the people who are welcoming the craziest off-the-wall questions because they, I think, are the most heartfelt and genuine questions people have. Could we do that? Are you willing to carve out time in your life to sit with those who need to encounter the hope that Jesus has to offer them? You know Jesus had other things to do. The passage says that he was passing through, which means Jesus was on his way somewhere else. He had a plan. He had an agenda. But Zacchaeus was worth changing the agenda. Are you willing to let the Zacchaeuses in your life change your agenda? Are you willing to pause a little while longer so that Zacchaeus can find Jesus through you? As, comfortable, as uncomfortable as it may be, Jesus calls us to push past barriers time and time and time again. We cannot be barrier people. We need to be people who push through those. Now, I will say this. Sometimes not every conversation, not every encounter will end up with a life transformation testimony. But I'll tell you this, until we start living into the possibilities we're, we're never going to have these moments. And as you read Luke, one of the things that you find is that there is an re- appropriate response to someone coming to know Jesus. And that is celebration. Um, as I was thinking about this, um, I, I was thinking about how I, I wonder if it's hard for us to celebrate salvation because it's been a while since we've encountered one. And when we did, we weren't quite sure how to celebrate because there was all these like, well, I wonder if this will last. I wonder if this is genuine. I wonder if, can we just celebrate and let God deal with the other stuff? What does it mean to repent? I will say this about this passage. This is not what I would expect for scripture to say about repentance because it's not what we are accustomed to right? What does Zacchaeus not say in this passage that we're so expecting him to say? Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I um, ask for your forgiveness. He never says those things. All he says is what I have, have, I give to you and I will make amends with all those that I have cheated. That's, That doesn't sound like the altar prayer that we've been used to praying. But yet Jesus' response says, salvation has come to this house, which is a whole other issue too, right? Um, Can one person's prayer lead to the salvation of other people? In this passage, it seems like all of Zacchaeus' house encounters salvation that day, which might have something to say about how we understand ourselves as individuals. Whereas in this culture, they understood themselves as part of a network of people. See, there are some ways in which we Westerners can't understand some scripture sometimes. Whereas some of our brothers and sisters in in Asia, in the Middle East, in South and Central America, uh, where things are so much more familial, Sometimes they can read scripture differently because they understand, oh yeah, when dad gave his life to Jesus, we were all in on that one. 
Not because I had to, but because my, my whole family changed. So what does repentance look like? Well, salvation is the result of a life of repentance. And what we see in this passage is that Zacchaeus made a commitment to living a life, not just saying some words. So I wonder for us, maybe we have been that people who have said the words, but we haven't followed up with a life. I want to invite you today. Repent. Give your life to Jesus, not just your words. Zacchaeus was found by Jesus the way I'm guessing many of you were found by Jesus one day. Now, you may not have been up a tree. Uh, you might have been up a creek without a paddle. Um, you might have been up something else. But the reality is this. We become found because Jesus looks for us. Not because we go looking for Jesus. You know what Zacchaeus got to do? He, all that he had to do to the invitation of Jesus was say yes. And that's what it means for Jesus to be Lord of your life. Do you have that undeniable, unequivocal yes in your life every moment of your day? Is that who you are? So this morning, I want us to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something crazy this week. Um, but I want us to pray first before I throw that out there for you. So I, I want you this morning, I want you to put everything down, uh, all your cups, all your everything. I want hands open and free, okay? And I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord this. Lord, show me Zacchaeus. And I want your hands open as though Jesus is going to place people in your hands. And as I pray, I want you to focus on the faces and the images and the names and the thoughts of the people that Jesus puts in your hands. Lord God, this morning, it is our desire as real life community church that we would be a people who follow your lead in every way. Lord, that we would be a people who are your hands and feet, your mouth, your arms, your very presence in the world in which we live. Help us to be that because on our own, we cannot do that. God, I pray that you place in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our hands this morning, the, the faces of people that have been living life near us. But for some reason, until this morning, we haven't noticed them. Jesus, we pray this morning that you would give us your Holy Spirit to give us power to overcome the barriers that stand in between us. 
as crazy as it may sound, God, help us walk around walls until they crumble. Help us to charge through the barriers before us because of the people on the other side. Dear Jesus, this morning I pray that we, your people, would be the kind of people who make the gospel come alive in our neighborhoods and in our homes and in our schools and in our workplaces and the places that we play and the streets that we drive and walk and the stores that we shop in. Lord, help us have eyes to see those around us. In your name, amen. All right, so here's the challenge for this week. It's actually a twofold challenge. Uh, it's got a couple of different elements, and some of these elements are a little easier to do than others. One of them is this, and this is, everyone can do this. It, it takes no, like, investment in what am I gonna say? It doesn't do anything. I want you, this is one of my favorite things to do. You might think I'm weird. That's okay, because you're gonna be weird this week as well. I want you, when you are shopping this week, I want you to encounter people whose shopping carts have just been emptied into their car, and I want you to go over and ask them, can I take that cart for you? As simple as that. I did this yesterday to a family, and they looked at me like, what are you doing? And I wish them a good day. This is a seed planting opportunity for you that you do something and you trust God with the results. So we're gonna be shopping cart movers this week, okay? Deal? Raise your hand if you're gonna be a shopping cart mover. Come on, everyone up, everyone up. If you need help, come with me and I'll show you how to do it. Give me a call and we'll do it, okay? But here is, here is the, here's the riskier one. This is the riskier one. Some of you might be more up for this one, I don't know. Here's the riskier one. I want you this week to ask one person, one person. I want you to ask this question. Who is Jesus to you? Now, you're not asking this question in an effort to have uh, an argument with them when they tell you something that you don't like. That's not it. You're not gonna argue with them about this. You simply are gonna ask the question, who is Jesus to you? And now if they say, well, why do you want to know? I said, I'm just curious. I've been thinking about this lately and I, I just thought I'd ask some people who Jesus is to them. That's it. This might open the door for you. And this is where people get scared. Like, but what if they ask me a question back and I don't have an answer? That's okay. You can say to them, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that that way. Thank you for sharing what you have so that I can think about this. I... Uh, Last fall, I taught a class at Treveca. And at the first day of class, I always ask people to share about themselves. And so um, one of the students said, uh, I really don't uh, believe in you know, the Christian faith. Now, some of us would have lost our minds. Like, I can't believe Treveca let people in like this. I'm so glad Treveca lets people in like this. And he says, I really, uh, I buy into like Norse mythology as my faith system. Now, the professor, the expert in the room, the sage on the stage, as some say it, uh, there, I said to myself, I have no idea what that man just said. 
I started thinking about Marvel comic movies. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. But afterwards, I went up to him. I said, hey, could we grab coffee? I'd like to understand more about what you just said. And so we did. And he did. And at the end of 15 weeks, 16 weeks, this was the response I got from him on an evaluation of the class. I've been in Christian education now for 16 years. And you are the first person that has allowed me to ask the questions that I've had. Church, we need to be the people who allow people to ask the questions that maybe, just maybe, lead them to Jesus. Church, stand with me. Church, as we go from this place, you do not need to wield a sledgehammer to break through barriers. You don't need a bulldozer to break through walls. You don't need dynamite to blow the barriers to smithereens. You simply need to go in the power of the Spirit and be sensitive to the way Jesus leads you to interact with people on the other side of barriers. Until we meet again, be barrier breakers for the sake of the kingdom. Be blessed and be a blessing. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org give. Thanks again for listening.